Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Okay, a few. All right. What about traditional news, uh, television news? How many watch the news on TV? Certainly be me. Okay. And what about, and this is the big one, social media? How many persons, or just internet in general, receive news from some kind of internet uh, media source? I'm sure a lot of us do. Okay. So it's safe to say, I'm sure, that indeed we're all generally aware of what's going on in the world. Is that, is that right? Generally speaking. I'd like to ask a question. Um, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but just to get a little bit of feedback, perhaps from somebody in the room that's a little bit um, advanced in age, uh, let's say. The question is, what would you say the world is like, generally speaking, now, compared to what it was back in your childhood when you were growing up? If anyone wants to go ahead. Part the cord. How so? Okay. Right on. Right on. Oh, I did much worse. (laughs) Wow. So it was definitely a different place then than it is now, perhaps a lot safer then than now, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of things going on. So we would all agree, I'm sure, to say that the world that we live in is a very scary place. Would you guys agree? What I want to talk about today, the message that I'm going to share, is geared um, mostly towards the young people, but not exclusively, um, and also for those that um, are unconverted, but um, hopefully and God willing, for those that are mature in the faith, you'll indeed see some value in what I'm about to share. The title of the message, In the World but not of the world. And I want to examine what exactly this means and what does God expect of us in light of it. But before I officially begin, once again, I'd like to have a little bit of participation from you. Whenever I say in the world, but in unison, I want us to all say not of the world. Can we try that? In the world, but in the world, but You're a good group. Very sharp. Okay, good stuff. We're on the right track. Very nice. Let's begin by laying the foundation uh, for the message. Uh, Please turn with me to the book of John, John 17. We're going to go over an account here of our Lord Jesus Christ and his last prayer to God the Father. 
And for this particular uh, scripture, I'm going to read from the NLV, the New Living Translation. That kind of sums it up best. John 17, 14 to 19. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. In verse 19, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy, so they can be set aside for a holy purpose, sanctified by your truth. So one of the main points, brothers and sisters, that we can get from that text is that as true worshipers of the Lord, we do not belong to this world. We are in the world, but... Absolutely. Now, when we read the word world in the New Testament, uh, we're reading the Greek word, which um, all of you, I'm sure, most of you are aware of, which is cosmos, which often refers to as the inhabited earth, so the people who dwell, who live in the earth. And according to John 12, uh, 31, also in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, and other places in the Bible, Satan, the devil, is referred to as the ruler of this cosmos, the ruler of the world. So the word world most often refers to as the Babylonian system, ruled once again by Satan. So what does it mean, brothers and sisters, to not be of the world? And I want to take a look at three separate scriptures that clearly define what it means to not be of the world. Let's turn to 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 2. And if I can have one of our perhaps young folks, one of our beautiful Bright, shining young folks in the front row to please read 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17. Go ahead. I do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the craving of sinful man, uh, the lust of his eyes and the boastfulness of what he has in him comes not from the Father, from the world. The world uh, and its desires passes away, uh, but the man who does the will of God lives Thank you very much, Lance. And so to sum that up, we would say we are not to love the world or the things of it. Do we agree? Do we agree? Yes. Excellent. We just read that. Very good. Turn with me. To James 4, verse 4. James 4, verse 4. So I'm just going to lay and kind of go through this a little quickly as I really get into the heart of what I'm going to discuss. A few principles, once again, really highlighting our need to be outside of the world and not consumed with the things of the world and what God expects of us. And James 4, verse 4, and we're talking about associations here. It says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. 
So basically, whoever associates with the things of the world is, in fact, as the scripture says bluntly, God's enemy, which is a place we certainly do not want to be. And the last scripture I'll reference, I don't necessarily need to turn there uh, for time. It's Romans 12, verse 12. And this is a scripture that we're all very much familiar with, where it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So once again, we are not to conform our lives to the ways of the world. We are indeed, brothers and sisters, called to be in the world, but... Excellent. What I want to do right now, if you can just go to the next, uh, actually, load up the, uh, the chart, the uh, Google page. Thank you very much. Without being too explicit, and just bear with me here, once again, I want your participation. I want us, brothers and sisters, to form a list. So I'm going to ask you a few things. I want us to form a list of a few things that the world, generally speaking, that people like to indulge in. So some of the things that perhaps are might tempt us, some of the things that, you know, we see, some of the pleasures of the world, once again, kind of in context, not being too explicit. And as we proceed with the message, I'm going to show you what we're going to do with this list and how it all ties in. So if I can just get a few responses and we can form maybe a list of about seven or eight points. Once again, just a few things that the world indulges in. We're thinking of the ways of the world. What do you got? Partying, okay. It's definitely uh, indulgence of the world. What else? What was that? Greed, absolutely. Brother Ray. Too much shopping, okay. Overindulging on the uh, on the spending, brother. Uh, sports. Sports, come on, that's my thing. What are you doing to me, Ray? You're calling me out, man. I, I, I love my sports. <laughs> I know, I know, so do I, but it takes up a lot of our time. Oh, it sure does, and it can indeed become an idol, of course. So sports, absolutely. Anything that's too much that we put, of course, before God is certainly a problem. Gossip. Gossip, absolutely. Oh, big time. That could be a huge one. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else do we have? Yes, bro. Video games. Video games. That's another one. All right. Let's get a few more. Maybe two or three more. Movies. movies, sure. Absolutely. Entertainment. Forms of entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and once again, the vein of entertainment. So, we listen to the wrong music that has the wrong message, the wrong lyrics, and make us think different things. Okay. Maybe a couple more. Oh, absolutely. Profanity. It's just definitely against the way of God. One more. Yes, sister. Okay. Expand on that a little bit. That's a good one. I really like that. That's absolutely okay. <laughs> that is that is certainly inappropriate, I would say. Absolutely. Okay, give me one second here. All right, so thank you for your participation. I'm going to keep that up for just a quick second. These are certainly things that we would all agree that we are to not have any part of. But if we're to be honest, brothers and sisters, 
And I'm sure, obviously, us in the faith, we don't live an everyday lifestyle consisting of these things. But perhaps based on some of our associations, whether it's in the school or in the work, these are some of the things that we see. You know, we see things oftentimes that we perhaps shouldn't see. We hear things that we shouldn't hear. And sometimes we find ourselves in positions that we shouldn't be in. And remember in the message, we're talking about separation, being in the world, but... Absolutely. I want you to take a look at something. If you can actually go back to the um, back to the slide. Number six. And then we'll go back to that uh, chart in a second. So I want you to take a look at this illustration here. Just take it in for a little bit. Come out from among them and be ye separate. So that's the cor- corresponding scripture that I put with this image. And just take it in a little bit, and what does it make you think, or how does it make you feel? Just take a look at that for a second. Because here's the thing. Being separate, being called out of this world, it is indeed a challenge. And one of the things that I would say, and I'm sure a lot of you would agree just based on observation and being around for a while... There are certain groups, certain Christian groups, that would take some of the scriptures that we went over, and even this one here, a little bit out of context, and they would go as far as to completely separate ourselves from the people in the world. So, for example, there are persons that they wouldn't even send their children to regular public schools, so they would believe that we should all have our own private Christian schools. Um, They would go as far as to say, even from an employment standpoint, we shouldn't be working for Babylon or for the system. You know, we should be, you know, having our own businesses and setting up our own things. Um, We shouldn't have friends outside of the church. You know, we should only fellowship with those who are of the same belief, the same persuasion. What are our thoughts on that? And I'm just asking this as a question, because my Bible and your Bible, of course, I don't believe that's what we're instructed to do. In fact, we have a clear instruction and a clear example from our Lord Jesus Christ to indeed mingle and mix with others who are not of the faith in order to bring them over. And that's a big, a big part of our calling. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2. And I want to just take a look at this example. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Because one of the things that we are indeed expected as brothers and sisters living in this world is to be lights of the world and the salt of the earth. We're called to be separate, to be righteous, to indeed be holy. In Mark 2, verse 13 and 17, here we see an example of our Lord Jesus having dinner at Levi's house. And he's in fellowship with several, I guess, you know, we can call them unbelievers, infidels. And in verse 13, we'll read there, verse 13, and we'll close up in 17. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphesus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. 
And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? What's going on here? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need for a physician. Let's take that in. They that are whole have no need for a physician. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So that's our calling. If you can actually go back to the other um, slide with the, the chart. And this is something that I really want to encourage us to do in light of being in the world, but not of the world, is to really take our calling to reach others to heart. What I want to do in contrast to this list here, we're going to start another list, and then we're just going to kind of contrast them for a second. And I know that oftentimes, and we'll all agree, regardless of if we're in the church or not, it's actually a lot easier to come up with negative things, to think you know, negative things as opposed to the positive. But to contrast that, I actually want us to come up with a short list of some things that we can do as children of God, as ambassadors of Christ, to actually make the world a better place, to actually reach out to others, to make this world more peaceful, more positive, more humble. So pretty much the opposite of what we have there. Go ahead, bro. Okay. Excellent. I try to do that every time. Just to reach out to someone, put a smile on their face, and acknowledge them, acknowledge a stranger, which is something that we don't do, especially living in a big city. We often just kind of, you know, pass people walking by. We don't make that effort to actually acknowledge someone or even say hi or, you know, pay a stranger a compliment. So um, it's very good. Just put, um, yeah, just, uh, how would you word that? Be friendly. Be friendly. I like that. Be friendly to others, to strangers. What else do we got, sister? To counteract uh, greed and shopping and just an over-accumulation of material possessions, when there's something that you need or something that you decide to upgrade, you can always go back home to your closet and decide, well, now that I have one extra item, there's something now that I can do with. Absolutely. So don't overindulge. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Very nice. Let's get a few more. How about our lovely young people here in the front row? Should I call someone's name? <laughs> yes, dear. Okay. I love that. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Praying for others. Definitely. What else, guys? Yes, brother. 
All right. <laughs> Get him away from his sports. <laughs> I like that. Invite, invite persons to Bible studies. Absolutely. Share the word of God, Brother Ray. Yeah, just don't watch the whole game. Just get the uh, highlights the next morning. That is so hard. I know. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that is so difficult. I got gotcha. you. We have to prioritize. We definitely have to prioritize. Yes, Anthony. Oh, I believe I do. Should I be worried? <laughs> Go ahead. Encouragement. Encouragement. Okay. I'm really getting it today. <laughs> encouragement, okay, encouragement is good. Very nice, very nice. <clears throat> Let's get a couple more. Yeah. I like that. Simple gesture, opening doors of changes. I'm sure, um, you know, you can probably relate. Back in the days, people used to do that a lot more. And even something as small as offering your seat to an elderly lady on the, uh, on the transit. Persons don't, uh, don't do that much anymore. Not in this world. Equal rights. Yes, brother. So are you saying we should... Point out people's faults and point out their sins? Is that what we should do? No, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think we do have a responsibility if we are in a group with persons that are doing things that, as we understand, are contrary to the ways of God. We certainly have a responsibility, not just to only remove ourselves from those uncomfortable situations, but to speak up and to say something and let them know that this is not right. Absolutely. We should definitely do more of that. And that's an act of love. Absolutely. Sister. You got any, got any titles? What's a good one? <laughs> I put you on the spot. Uh, no, absolutely. There certainly are. Absolutely. Okay. Maybe a couple more. How so? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let me throw something out there, brothers and sisters. What about politics? Because politics play a major role in what happens in the world. And especially now, we're definitely in a political cycle. Obviously, it's a big election coming up in a few months uh, south of the border, which, of course, does have an impact on us here. In light of what we're discussing, once again, being in the world but not, how should we respond or react to politics? Because people get very, very passionate, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, whether it's the left or the right. Um, going back to the question I asked originally in terms of you know, our source of news and whatnot, uh, for me, I will admit, I do watch my fear share. My wife will tell you as well of, uh, of CNN. 
Um, so I don't only watch sports. <laughs> but it's interesting when you see um, you know, a lot of those political rallies that are going on um, and you see the violence. I mean, just, you know, persons getting assaulted and punched in the face and, um, you know, you hear the words back and forth and whatnot. Um, and people are very, very passionate about their position and they truly do feel justified in whatever it is they believe, whether it's from a conservative standpoint or from a liberal standpoint. So I'll just kind of throw it out there. What are our um, responsibilities as believers and how should we kind of react to those situations from a political uh, standpoint, Brother Murray? Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's more than one option. Absolutely. I would agree. And back to that, um, it, that's one of the biggest things, um, and as I said, because it's so pre- prevalent right now, um, the whole political uh, landscape, and it's hard to not get caught up regardless of you know, what side you're on. And even us as believers in the faith who I would, would sure, uh, surely say have more of a conservative, um, you know, leaning more towards the cons- conservative principles where politics are concerned. Um, one second. Um, it's interesting. I'm not sure if you guys are aware. I'm sure some of you are. Just a week ago, just last week, our own government, Canadian government, the Conservative Party, actually, uh, they voted to remove their longstanding policy which is um, their non-support of, um, you know, homosexual, you know, gay marriage. So they've actually removed that, and they no longer have that position. So it's pretty much the same as the liberals in terms of, um, you know, they are either in favor of it or they're just not pushing towards uh, fighting uh, any laws that would prevent a man from marrying a man or a woman from marrying a woman. And this is our conservative government, that's scary. That's very, very scary. Sorry, Brother Jan, you want to add something? That's exactly what I wanted to share. Oh, right. Christians living in this country basically run out of options when it comes to Absolutely. Brother Larry. Absolutely. Yes, sister. Yes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I really love these interactive sermons. It takes a lot of uh, pressure off me. You guys pretty much are doing <laughs> everything, so thank you very much for your participation. Um, as I do begin to close, um, I do want to leave you with a couple of points of consideration. Um, as our brother mentioned, today is day 42 in the count towards Pentecost, so there's eight days left. And during this particular period, and I've often spoke about this, this is really a time of, you know, growth and introspection as we, you know, yearn and desire and, um, you know, really look forward to the coming of the high holy day of Pentecost and everything that it means and, you know, with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what I would love for us to consider in light of everything that we're discussing here, and I know a few persons came in late, uh, the title of the message is, In the World But not of the world so basically our christian duty to physically be a part of the world not so much separate and you know go into our own uh, communities and not have anything to do with the people of the world but what it really is telling us or what the word of god or what god really expects of us is to not have it all starts with our mindset to not have the mentality of the world or even the priorities of the world. The world is, you know, obsessed with all these, you know, different things. We see it on the news and we read it in social media, all the different things that are going on that really and truly have no relevance in terms of the grand scheme of things where, as far as God's plan is concerned. So that's where it all starts in terms of our mentality. The Word of God instructs us to set our affections on what? On things above, not on things of the world. But what I'd like to leave you with in terms of consideration is, it's a couple of questions. Question one, how am I personally being influenced by the world? How are you being influenced by the world? You see this list here on the left side? We have partying, greed, shopping, sports, gossip, all these things that, you know, are surrounding us, whether it's in the workplace, in the school, some of our friends, some of our associations. And if we are to, you know, be honest, brothers and sisters, and to admit, to a certain extent, these things, and I'm sure several others, have some impact on us. The people that we associate with that are outside of the faith, whether it's family members or friends co-workers, classmates, whatever it may be, they certainly do have some level, perhaps, of influence on us. So that's a question for us to all consider, and once again, especially during this time frame, uh, this Feast of Weeks, how am I being influenced by the ways of the world? How am I being influenced by the ways of the world? And the second question is, and this refers to the second uh, over here, this, the, the second line of uh, questions that we went over, how am I personally positive, positively influencing the world? What am I personally doing to advance the gospel of Christ? What am I personally doing to make the world a better place? What am I personally doing to give and to show Others, whether it's not just brethren in the faith, but others outside of the faith, L-O-V-E, which is love, which is the great commandment. So these are things that I just want us to consider in light of being in the world, but 
Because that's our goal, brothers and sisters. The book of Revelation says to come out from among her, to be separate in terms of, once again, ideologies and perspectives and just our thoughts and our actions and things that we're supposed to do and the things that we're not supposed to do. I'm reminiscing now, there's a hymn that we um, sing quite often, Let Others See Jesus in You. Let others see Jesus in you. Sing it, brothers and sisters. Let others see Jesus in you. <laughs> Let others see Jesus in you. But that's it, brothers and sisters. That is our calling. Our calling is to be a light in this sin-sick, dark world. All the things we listed here on the left side, and we could go on and on. There's so many things. And as I said, you know, we didn't want to be too explicit. But it's a wicked, evil world out there. As we said in the beginning, we know who the God of this world is, who is presently in control of this current world as it is right now. So we have a lot to contend with. Our responsibility as ambassadors of Christ, as brothers and sisters in the faith, is to indeed be a positive influence in the world. So once again, it goes back to the question, am I influencing more than I'm being influenced? Am I? And if I'm not, what am I going to do? Self-examination. We have an opportunity to examine ourselves and to change as we strive, brothers and sisters, to live in the world, but... Just to see my brethren that I haven't seen for some time, it's really a delight. And we'll touch on that a little bit more for some of the personal reasons why I'm so happy to be here. Brethren, I took a very careful look at your mission statement, 2015. Previously, I hadn't looked at it and thought about it the way I did recently. And it goes, the safest place and pursuit of excellence. Brethren, I'm going to concentrate on the first part, the safest place. I will not comment much about the pursuit of excellence, because that's something I think I could learn from the Burlington congregation and its leadership. And brethren, if you are still pursuing excellence, the result is going to be even more fantastic than it is today. Permit me to talk, brethren, about safest place. 
To me, brethren, this is a very ambitious pursuit. It did not say a safe place, but the safest place. Very ambitious project, well beyond the scope of any human being or group of human beings to accomplish on their own. Because only God can create the safest place. It also tells me, brethren, that with that statement, where the heart is, wrapped up in the will of God to accomplish his purpose. Brethren, in doing that, We have to look to God for strength. We have to come to him and say, God, we have taken hold of your word. We have taken hold of your will. Father, come and reside with us. Transform us and enable us to take your presence. To the people you are calling and to the church of God today. Brethren, it is a daunting prospect, but with God's help, it is well within your ability to accomplish. I look at a definition that is rather, well, slim definition, wouldn't do justice, but it goes like this, to be protected from, not exposed to danger or risk, not likely to be harmed. So brethren, a big part of safety is protection. But protection from what? Let's turn to Acts 20, verse 27, brethren, and hear what the Apostle Paul says. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things 
to draw away disciples after themselves. Brethren, one area in which the church of God needs safety is in the area of false teachings. How tolerant are we of people who claim to bring new truth in our midst? Unnecessary truth, I like to call it. Truth that will destabilize the congregation because upset. Not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But as the scripture says, their own belly. Brethren, we are more than familiar with people who will hang on to one doctrine or part of a doctrine and they bang it like a drum. And before you know it, it starts to negatively affect the brotherhood. A safe place means, or the safest place means the brethren are protected. How do we counter that, brethren? How do we stand up to those things? Let's turn to Matthew 13, verse 24, please. Apparently, I got this scripture mixed up here. But um, it's the scripture where Jesus Christ pointed out that um, a man went to sow his seed in his field. And the scripture says directly that while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat. So, brethren, how? 24, okay. Okay. Yes. Another parable spoke, he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went away. 
But when the grain had sported and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared. Brethren, it is the sleeping or the lack of vigilance that will sometimes cause the enemy to negatively affect the church of God. Brethren, the design of the enemy is to bring harm to the flock of Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, it is incumbent upon us to take seriously our responsibility to be vigilant. If people come in and try to harm the flock, to produce division. How are we to respond to that? We shouldn't be tolerant, brethren. We should be zealous about God's business and do what it takes to be rid of people or agents of the devil who would seek to harm the church of God. A second area, brethren, is the dumbing down of ministerial authority. That's one of the tactics the enemy used to negatively affect the church of God. So from time to time, you'll hear people saying things like, everybody is a minister. We are all brethren. So there is no authority on the part of ministers. We live in an age, brethren, where the ministers cannot even correct the brethren. Otherwise, they will leave and go to another congregation. So they have to tip it to around issues. Because people behave as the ministers do not have any authority. Brethren, who believe that God has appointed his ministers and given them authority to lead the church of God? Who believe that? Perfect. It's up to us, brethren. It's incumbent on us to respect that authority. Allow the Spirit of God to work through the men or women, well, men, in our case, who he has called to feed the flock of God. As it says in the book of Acts, that he has purchased with his own blood. Brethren, I am not saying that we should submit to abuse of power on the part of ministers. But certainly one way to make the flock the safest place is to listen to the direction that God gives through the men that he has called. God has in his church constituted authority so that the brethren can live a sober and orderly life in order to praise God according to his righteousness, like Brother Hajan read earlier. (whistles) 
our approach to leadership, our response, send messages to God about us. Brethren, that was the case with Israel. Jesus Christ said, I sent you prophets. Many of them you have killed. Many of them you have stoned. God expects us to respect his ministry. Those we have appointed to lead us, brethren. How do we correct a situation in which the minister's authority is being questioned or otherwise undermined? Certainly, you cannot confront it in the traditional manner. The minister cannot come to the podium and say, look, I am the minister and from now on, everybody is going to respect me. God is expecting the brethren to respond to the leadership of his Holy Spirit and give orderly and proper submission to leadership. Brethren, without leadership, we cannot find our way. It's easy for some of us to say, look, I have a direct relationship with God. Whatever I need, I will go to the scriptures and I'll find it to myself, by myself. I will direct my own life. I will chart my own course. Brethren, let's not do that. So how do we correct that problem? Brethren, need to submit to the Holy Spirit. We have tools in our arsenals, brethren. A spiritually safe place. Have spiritual tools with which to tackle any problem with which we are confronted. The scripture says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So, brother, whenever we are confronted with problems, let's not think that our prayers cannot make a difference. No matter what the mountains of problems look like, God will act on our behalf. Go to bat for us, and we can solve our problems. We just had a praise report earlier by Brother Gord, how God came through for him. Brethren, this might sound like a small thing, because it does not affect us all, except in the way that we identify with Brother Gord through brotherly love. But God will answer our prayers. God will come through for us. If it's a problem of insubordination, it's not too big for God to solve. Let's depend on God, brethren, to do what we cannot do for ourselves. But brethren... Safety is not only protection from those things which are harmful. 
Brethren, safety also is an environment that is positive and uplifting and that promotes growth and fulfillment. Brethren, I'm here in Burlington and the spirit of this place is awesome. I look at the young people. They are so engaged. That's evidence, brethren, that they are living in a safe place. Don't get discouraged, brethren, and think that your resolve and your efforts are not being rewarded by God. Because the fruits are evident. I'm here today, brethren, and I feel so blessed. There's a spirit of reverence to Almighty God that really touched me. The spirit of excellence. Brethren, Maybe I should come here a little bit more. I look at the children. They are so positive, so uplifting and uplifted that I think the adults are imitating them. I'm having a wonderful experience. I feel safe. Brethren, the safest place is a place where the weak find strength, where the spiritually hungry are fed. Where those that are cast down can be lifted up. Those who are suffering from sicknesses, whether emotional or spiritual or even physical, can be healed. Brethren, it depends greatly upon the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And we can be confident, brethren, that when we ask God for his spirit to be poured out upon us, to give us the strength to take care of the task at hand of creating the safest place, it will be done not through might nor by power, but by the power of the spirit of God. So brethren, today we are reminded that what we are on is a very ambitious quest. Like I said earlier, way beyond the scope of human abilities. But we are blessed with the strength that God provides. That what we set our hands to do by the power of God and by the grace of God, it will be accomplish 
Brethren, we are also reminded of the need to be vigilant. That creating the safest place is a cooperative effort by all members of the congregation as they follow inspired and godly leadership. So brethren, I'd urge you, continue to take the focus. And I say continue, brethren, because the very fact of creating a safe environment means that the focus is already off of self onto others. Brethren, please continue to do that. You are setting a wonderful example to the rest of the church of God. Be encouraged, brethren, to continue to look to God for the strength and the power to see it through to the end. Don't pay special attention to what it looks like around you. God is above and he certainly possesses the power to accomplish that through you, brethren. Continue also to exalt and promote the virtues of God in our lives. Let's not underestimate ourselves, nor our calling, nor the fact that God exists in us, because he made a promise that not only will he be with us, but he will live in us. Brethren, we are children of God, heirs to the kingdom of God, which he has promised for us to inherit. Brethren, haven't made the decision to create the safest place means that you're working with God. Please continue, brethren. I am and God is depending on you for the success of this project that we, you have embarked on. Brethren, the Lord bless you. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.